You're listening to Longkang Kitties. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Longkang Kitties. This is Jawan, your most handsome movie review ever on the face of planet. We have Angie, Jerry, Dan Wong, and then we have Superior John. Superior John is back for another movie review. This time round, we are reviewing Tiong Bahru Social Club. Hello everyone, how is everybody doing this fucking cold New Year's Day? What's up, what's up, what's up? Wet. It's like wet season, right? Just now, Jordan it saw was, me as like, yeah. it's like wet season over again. I'm like, damn, I needed to use that line in the fucking opening of this. You know what's funny is if we were in the old office, we have seen the mudslides. <laughs> oh, oh shit! What mudslides are you talking about? There's mudslides at your old Near office. Near Chinatown? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, freaking the mudslide is like, like shit oozing out of your ass. Okay, okay. This is Pofma material oh, here. Wow. Guys, guys, please. Everything you must relate back to like yeah. shit or some... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Pofma. You cannot say it was a mudslide if it wasn't a mudslide, Jerry. It was a... The drainage system in Singapore is working exactly how it should be intended to, okay? It was just simply loose, loose soil... Uh, loosening of the soil <laughs> Accelerated erosion That's what it is That's what it is Jerry We shouldn't use words like erosion Okay It is just a gentle Downward shift Of mud We yeah, love the PAP We love the PAP here Nature moving Soil around If flooding is ponding Then mud ero- <laughs> Mud slides are Happen only once every 100 years <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, do you love the PAP? Uh, partial la. <gasps> Let's go! Oh my god, drag <laughs> him out and kill him! <laughs> I say, I love the PAP. <laughs> Blasphemous already. Okay lah, okay lah. We're reaching blasphemy territory. Oh, who's, 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 who's so early in the podcast. Oh, you lah. <laughs> testing, testing, one, two, three, go, go back. Okay. Anyway, today we are reviewing a movie. That will be Dongbaro Social Club. This was... One of the three movies that, three, three local movies that came out all at once at the end of the year. And then we were deciding, uh, which one to review. And then NG was the one who pushed us over the edge and said, I want Tiong Bahru Social Club. Then here we are. Which actually, I think was the right choice. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I don't think my money was wasted. And I think that's most important. Yeah, I loved it. It looks great. Um, it's very nicely shot. I think they put in a lot of love. I was expecting it to be a bit more black mirrorish, but I didn't get I didn't get that. Yeah, yeah, actually that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, how how far would they have gone for you to dislike it? If he if he started going in the direction of Black Mirror and became more intense and more scary and terrifying, would you guys enjoy it as much? I think I disagree with you. I think it's already a horror show. That's <laughs> that's my take on this. That's my whole fucking take. I it is a existential horror show that showcases right what the Black Mirror universe already come to life and we, they are already living in it already. I that, think like, yeah. I think the jovial happiness, fake happiness is the real horror in the whole thing. Hmm. Um, okay, so let's just, let's just go through one, uh, let's just do our normal movie review format now. Well, I call it normal, which is we go one round spoiler free first, just a one or two sentence summary of how you feel, what you think, give it a rating, then after that we delve straight into the spoiler spoiler zone. Shall we do that? Okay. As our resident uh, movie critic, Jonathan. Yep. Give us your hot take. Spoiler free. Let's go. Well, I, I enjoy it and I thought that uh, to have a local movie of uh, quality out in the middle of the pandemic, 
it's a very it boosts the morale of the whole media and art scene in Singapore. I think it's it's well made. Uh, it in it encapsulates how it feels to be a Singaporean, covering themes all the way from like KPI, bureaucracy, and even like eugenics. Uh, in in the film, I do think the narrative the narrative starts to wear off a little bit at three quarters of the film and couldn't really tie the loose ends at the end. But overall, I I, I thought it was a, a worthy entry into the local film canon. <laughs> I'm very impressed because uh, John, Superior John is looking through his notes. This yeah. is clearly why he is Superior because he's got notes. I, I saw yeah. that as well. I was like, oh damn. <laughs> John, you are like, just, you know, inferior, you know, like your inferiority is clearly shown. This is, it, this is his brand. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is his podcast. He comes here. He go and slam Jimami tofu with the luncheon meat and the uh, the Maggie. What is it? Mag- Maggie, Maggie meat. Mm. Yeah, Indomie. Indomie. The Indomie slam. Ah, fucking. That's it. Really. That's the end. I don't even know what we are doing this podcast. This fu- the fucking show should have ended. But anyway, Angie, give us your hot take. It's so pretty, and it has cats. I really liked it. It has like one cat. <laughs> <laughs> it has it cat. Cat one. It's just one, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if you if you put in <laughs> if you count the the the, the paintings, the paintings of him as a cat, while wearing the cat ears, I guess that's two. But uh, for me, this would be about seven point five out of ten. It's a very pretty film, and I think Singapore filmmakers have always been able to put out very pretty films. Uh, in that aspect, I think you know, for the aesthetics and everything, I feel Singaporean filmmakers don't lose out. Where I feel this film kind of is a little bit lacking is. I was kind of expecting it to go a little bit darker, a little bit more, um, less nuanced. But, well, the animated bits are really, really well made. Even though it's like just a little bit, little bit, it's really well made. And I would like to find out who did it, actually. Hello, whoever did the animation for uh, Tiong Baru Social Club. We would like to meet with you. Tell us your trade secrets. We are not invested in this at all. So you it's a movie review. Please <laughs> review the fucking movie. <laughs> it's Stop uh, sucking the dick of animators. God damn it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, seven stars out of ten stars. Okay. I feel like the Tiong Baru Social Club... See, I had a train of thought. And then this whole shake leg orientated the mic totally knocked me off first. <laughs> Where was I? You shake the leg so fucking violently, right? That my mic stand was vibrating, you know? <laughs> I was trembling every, with excitement. Every time you got some verbal tick, you know, some ticks here and there, some physical tick, you must shake, lick, must... <laughs> it's, it's, oh all, it's all dying to come out. Anything that is repressed will find a way I think it's because you stopped itself. him from sniffling. That's why his leg had to start shaking. Because we never had a leg shake problem Control thyself. John, I'm going to call you <laughs> out, man. There's this segment in the movie where there's a lot of physical contact and intimacy. And when I, when I saw it happening, right, because you were sitting in front of me, I saw you visibly cringe. Could this be why you think this is a horror show? You guys know what I'm talking about. I know this is spoiler-free now. Later on, we'll talk more about it. There was this scene, right, where everybody was in a cuddle puddle, right? And I saw John cringe, you know, his shoulders are contracted into his ribcage, you know, and then his face became swollen, you know. I, 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 John, are you afraid of physical contact and intimacy? I think it's the framing of the scene, uh, the contextual element of it, rather than the actual physical contact. That's not the part that that uh, made me cringe. It was kind of like the whole situation. But anyway, that we will delve into the spoiler section now. Interesting. I didn't even notice that you were cringing. <laughs> um, I wasn't cringing to the point like Dan Wong, but I did feel very uncomfortable during that scene. In fact, I felt 
re- relatively uncomfortable throughout the whole movie. Okay, um, nice. I think mainly because quite early on, I made a decision that this was in actual fact a horror movie. And after that, I the more I thought about it, the more I view the movie through that lens, right? The, the worse, I mean, the more solidified it became in my mind. And... Because of that, right, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10. Wow. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. Are you serious? Whoa. Okay. Because I really think, I've, in my mind, okay, I'm, I'm 100% confident of my, of my, um, of my virtues and rightness on this, which is, everybody has the, like, completely wrong take about this movie. <laughs> like, it just, it really highlights the dystopia that we are very, very close to living and, I'm not really sure if that was the intent, but that's how I took it now. So that that's it. Like, all of you are wrong. I, I don't care even if the film, filmmaker come out and say, John, you're wrong. I'm like, no, you are wrong. <laughs> you, sir, are the incorrect one. I, I think he, he will cry tears of joy, actually. <laughs> you're like, yes! Yes, that's what I want! Yeah, I, I give it a... I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Alright. Okay, wait, wait, but before, before we move on, right, I just want to say that, um, if I had watched this film five years ago, maybe six years ago, I would be very disappointed with it. Uh, now I think I'm good with it because I'm being able, I'm greater able to uh, appreciate and understand the subtlety, the the whimsy behind it. Um, there was a lack of conflict that the five year ago Dan would be quite disappointed by. I feel like there's a lack of like a going on like in the a movie. climax. You mean? Yeah, there's a climax. There's some fighting. Mm. There's some, but everything's very nuanced, very subtle, and it's very uh, under the table must read between the lines a little bit. So maybe the older Dan is able to greater appreciate I, I absolutely agree with five years ago Dan though. Like I, I do think for, for, for all the merits of the film that, that there's a lacking of conflict and <clears throat> throughout the whole film. Yeah. I would disagree, but we yeah, can save that for later. Yeah, that's not seeing it as a horror film. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like the... Well, actually we should just get into the film and yeah, then let's like, just, go yep. by... Okay, NG... You want to read something from Stray's Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler free ends here. Yeah. So if spoiler you are, free ends here. Please. We are delving the spoiler zone. Let's go. If you yeah. want to watch this and not have it ruined by us, Just please stop, stop listening yeah, right stop now. Stop listening right now. Warning. Okay. And, and guys, where can we watch this again? Where can we watch this? I think the project... Well, I don't know if it will, the projector will still be showing it by the time that we release this episode, but like, hopefully it still is. So... Uh, it was showing at GV and other cinemas previously, yeah. but I think now only the projector has it. I yeah. think GV is still showing. This is third um, of Gen. As of now, I still saw GV uh, show showing it in selected cinemas. Projector should on and off. Yeah, you know, bring it back. Hopefully so. Yeah. It's a great movie. So, Jonathan anyways, was just saying the then imagine. No, wet season. Oh, season. Wet, wet season. Yeah, yeah, they they randomly bring show show local films here and there. Yeah. I hope they cross out G Mami Tofu from their list forever and ever. I don't think they ever showed it though. <laughs> oh, that's they great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. GV, GV. Oh, right. Yeah. That's great. Yep. That's fantastic. What a fantastic choice. I knew I believed in you, the projector. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let me just read uh, from this Straight Time, Straight Times article. Tiong Bahru Social Club. Despite its title, this is not a movie about Singapore as it is. It's a movie about a Singapore of the imagination, a place with bits of its identity blown up to almost cartoonish proportions. Those bits, such as the government's fondness for social control, are highly lampoonable. Turn to any article about Singapore in, say, the New York Times or the New Yorker, which tends to abound in smug commentary about how things like universal mask wearing or clean, affordable 
public transport systems can operate here only because of an abnormal propensity for towing the line possessed by its citizens. In an indirect fashion, the film also mocks mass gullibility, a trait that makes one seek soothing predestination over messy free will. Anyways, I'll read this much of this crap article because clearly John Louis, film correspondent from The Straits Time, uh, is res- an idiot. Resident film critic of The is Straits idiot. Times, John Louis. John Louis, who gave it three stars. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> Alright. Three, three out of five, is it? I have no idea. It doesn't say, it only says three stars. <laughs> three, 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 three out of five, like, probably three out of five, yeah. <laughs> if it's three out of five, it's not that far from from your from it's all six, your uh, scores, uh. yeah. yeah, it's six out of your seven, uh. So, hey, sixty is B three, uh. B four, B four, yeah, B four, uh. seventy is A two, you know, different. Yeah. Uh. You you are still looking at the old old bending system. <laughs> now everyone really okay. uh, you came to love the PAP, but fuck all of your domain. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, the film does bring about feelings of this dystopia universe, right? Where the Dong it's, like a, Club, it's where, like a utopian universe. Yep. It's, a, it's a dystopia disguised as utopia, I think. Yeah. yeah. So Which is basically Singapore. <laughs> yes. So the Dongbao Social Club functionally is, is like a management kind of uh, yeah. company uh, yeah. that manages this particular estate. And it's a, it, Dongbao Social Club is basically like a data-driven project uh, to create the happiest neighborhood in the world, according to IMBD. <laughs> so what they do is they kind of gather like information about all their residents people who voluntarily check in to the Tiong Bahru Social Club and they have like this happiness index or something that they're supposed to fulfill. Hmm. Uh, and each, was it called ambassador? ambassador? The happiness agent. A yeah, happiness, happiness agent, agent. yeah. Uh, has a which client. Are, yeah, that which are hired by the Tiong Bahru Social Club. And yeah. Distributed among the, the residents, especially among the elderly, to elevate their happiness level. And they also need to maintain their own happiness level. Right. I think that part is the most freaky of all. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's like a, almost like a metaphor for like how it's like town council like that. And then the old people are like the aging population. Or like rather like a CC, right? Yeah, or yeah, RC yeah, correct, like that. Correct. Yeah, RC. Very, very color compatible. Mm-mm, yes, yeah, yes. Instead of all white <laughs> or what is like all in yellow and pastels. Pink. Yeah. Do, do you guys think that this would be a viable business model in real life? I mean... Sans the magical technology where you acquire a series of properties and then you get old people to move in, wealthy old people, and then you hire people to take care of them, but then you package it like such. Because this, that's really what the business model like, is, right? There are already like several projects that are kind of like that already, anyways. The in the real world, right, it'll be one guy servicing like ten elderlies. <laughs> in this world, right, it's like one one happiness agent is attached to one yeah. one of the resident, right? And yeah. Almost, this is why you need AI. This I mean, there is, there is an AI in the, in the movie. No, like, I mean, in, in like the real world, you'll get AI to service the elderly so that you don't have to bother about the agent's happiness index. I mean, there, there is an AI in the movie, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah. The it's voice. so freaky, man. Yeah, oh my God, that, it's so that was super freaky. freaky. Yeah. Did you like the AI being depicted as a, you know, a shadowy figure in the mirror? I liked it actually. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the the AI because he has that voice, like the what is that? You know that MacBook voice. Yeah, Siri. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so that 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 was that that was cool. Yeah. I have to say that I was a bit confused by it actually because it's like, is it really an AI or is the black figure like a projection of of the dude's own 
They don't have the money for the CGI. I cut them a break. It's just a guy in a black, <laughs> yeah. in a, in yep. a black cloth, in a yep. black bodysuit, opian. Yeah. They already spent all the money on the high quality animators that Jerry and Dan are sucking their dicks off. So, so a very cheap visual metaphor of a uh, <laughs> childhood trauma and like, like uh, accumulated repression. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it is a mirror image of kind of broader society at large, where there's all this. There's this insistence of like keeping up with KPI and you know like if we can measure it then we must persuade that kind of ideology and we have to persuade at all costs. Mm. So part of the part of the thing about the Tiongbao Social Club is the constantly rotating uh, roster of happiness agents because they don't perform and they don't bring up their happiness or the happiness of the people around them. Mm. They are free to bring up their own initiative for whatever reasons. But then, if it doesn't work right, it, you are very unceremoniously cut off from the group. Mm. And it's and it's a very sudden thing. It's just like, oh, you're gone now. But it's a good thing. Nobody should feel sad about yeah. any of this. You, you will move on to bigger and better things in life. And then, boom, that's it. You're out. It reminds me a little bit of Netflix culture. Do you, do you guys remember we talked about a little bit of Netflix and their culture for excellence and how you get kicked out the moment you don't perform? Well, you get kicked out. It's not like a bad thing. They're like, oh, you know, uh, you're, you're, you've run through here. And then when you go out and truly enough, true enough, when, when they leave the company, they will go on to bigger and better things. What I find to be very interesting uh, is that I was constantly imagining, right? Okay, two things. So the first thing, right, is that I, this model, right, makes me even want to perform more. I, I, I imagine like if I'm a happiness agent, in that scenario, right? Strangely enough, I feel I like, want to do better than everybody. Like do more you guys, motivated, yeah. right? Yeah, do you guys feel the same way? Yeah, because yep. everything is so like finely um, measured, measured yeah. that you know precisely what's wrong and then you can take steps to rectify it. But does the... They only, they only know who are the top performers, right? They don't know the people at the bottom. I'm sure they are ranking that you know they don't show on screen because you know for the sake of time. <laughs> the whole time you only feel like there's 14 agents in the yeah. whole place. <laughs> so I don't know whether they do you. I think you know your own happiness. You know the people who are the at the top level, but I don't think you know like the people in between. Yeah, like, that's so. It's also quite difficult for you to say precisely where you stand. You might be quite low, but they could be someone lower than you. Right. So I think I'm not so sure whether. There is this, they want you to, they want you to motivate yourself or anything like that. They, they kind of want you to be the best and mm-hmm. anything less than the best is not good enough. Mm-hmm. The, which is also another, which is also another thing about the movie where it, it really creeps me out a lot where there's this unending pressure and because you're so unceremoniously cut, right? The moment you don't perform, there's always this paranoia as well. You, you feel like the part of the, one part of the movie kind of highlights this where Abi, the main character, they they were, they keep repeatingly saying that oh you know his happiness level is getting low, it's getting low, and you know we need to cut somebody, we need to get rid of somebody, and there was this sense I I was just like oh shit what happened if they cut him, but end up they cut the next person yeah. right the I think one rank up from him they yeah. still feel Abi had potential, which is also another subjective thing like, Then became- and the other thing is like Abi indirect indirectly contributed to the dude getting cut right because so there's this scene in the movie where uh, there's this guy who has like this cat tour of Tiong Baru or something <laughs> and then Abi's um, client who is a crazy cat lady played, played by, by Jaylin Han. Han who I thought was uh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I wasn't I, allowed to say that, but fuck you all. <laughs> I thought for the entire movie that it was New Zealand, and I thought until today when I stepped into the studio to record it, that it was New Zealand. But apparently, there's this person called Jalen Han. Okay, anyways, so Jalen Han is a crazy cat lady, and she convinced Abi to like steal the cat from the cat tour. So the dude who had a cat tour had no cat, and then he got kicked out. So Abi was like feeling like super guilty about it or something. I think. Yeah. I love that you're just looking at a photo, photo of <laughs> Jeline Han while giving that description. Just making sure. Are you guys trolling me right now? Are you guys <laughs> no, like, they look so similar. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay, I, I have was, to say, right? I was looking at IMDb and like, how come Nusulin doesn't have this on the credits list? Uh? Then I realized yeah. that it's not Nusulin <laughs> in the movie. And, and the thing is, right? Like, oh, I really loved her fashion sense in the movie. Right. Like, because she was wearing clothes from Meta Prince and then like, it was so striking. Uh, and it's so nice that like a local production would feature local clothes. Yeah. When I was watching that scene where she stole the cat, right? Like a whole host of possibilities opened up in my head. What if, right? What if uh, I'm the type of person that gets my happiness, that gets my kicks out of hurting people, harming people, causing pain to animals, causing pain to people, gaslighting, doing all those weird shit. <laughs> what if I get my high out of like, hurting and raping and maiming and killing people. And then I get assigned a happiness agent to me, right? Who also believes in the same thing. And then we go around like, you know, torturing and killing and, and setting residents on fire. And then we are like immensely happy. It won't work la, because you're bringing the happiness of everyone else down. No, you, 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 you cause, you, you, you do not hurt the people in your community. You hurt the people outside Tiong Baru. Tiong Baru so, so, social perch. <laughs> You just, create, psycho club, uh. you just create your own Tiongbao anti-social club uh, you asshole. <laughs> no, but it won't happen, see. I mean, the, the idea is they are they're trying to bring the happiness index up, right? So they are bringing people that only gives them the positive yeah. happiness index. So they're already pre-screened already. So if you're a psycho, right, you'll go to Tiongbao's so, uh, psycho yeah. club. Yeah, and extending to that point, right? Yeah. And this is what I think that film kind of succeeded by presenting this scenario of this very conceptual organization is what it highlights is that Singaporeans are very good at silencing things and putting everything under the rug and it's like alright it is back to smiles again in every corporate world or everything even though there's a lot of very dark undertones and I think that is why that is what the film actually really succeeded in in, in mm. doing yeah. yeah let's just talk about Jaylin's Han uh, characters for a bit as well uh, so Miss Wee lah so I think she represents kind of like the unending chaos of the world, like kind of always in collision with this kind of like happy, peaceful, artificial construct of the Tiongbao Social Club, right? So, so she's actually very rude. She's actually yeah. very brash. You know, she she just like tells people, you know, what do you know about me? And, you know, uh, I don't like you. Uh, and I think, what, did she spit fit? fishball at Abi or something? Like so I, basically, Miss Wee is this like character that is super like she doesn't really give a shit if uh, she causes unhappiness to the people around her so there was this happiness agent uh, who was trying to convince her to like swim in the <laughs> in the swimming that. pool at, at, with, at, at her swim aerobic class or something and then Miss Vee just went like well you know you're who, what do you know you're just like a what was it uh, some some uh somebody who doesn't no, know no life experience, no life experience yeah. and yeah. who are you to tell me what to do? And blah, she blah, just blah. died inside. Yeah, and the and the happiness agent was just like, uh, okay, <laughs> she got burned. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and and the interesting part about Ms. Wee is that they portray her as an artist mm. because, like, you know, the whole like artist not conforming to society and what is required of you as as, as 
part of society. In- instead of pretending to be happy like everybody else is, you choose to show how you really feel. And so I thought that was kind of quite interesting. She reminds me of my primary school tuition teacher <laughs> who gave me endless nightmares. I have, a, I have a Chinese teacher who was kind of like her too. Yeah. So this is a, a spoiler. We can we can spoiler now, right? In this segment. Like 20 minutes ago. Okay, so what <laughs> happened to this character in the end, which I thought was really, really cool, is that she got together with uh, another old man uh, and then they both committed suicide together. Yes. I so don't they think they together. committed suicide. I think uh, they were murdered. That's why I think this is a horror movie. Oh so my goodness. Okay. I think that is that is a very interesting theory yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and now it kind of makes sense because if if it's suicide, it's really, it's really super it's, random. It's out of nowhere. Yeah, right? out of nowhere. They just discovered love. I mean, they just like, they were so happy together, you know, after a night. So the, the night before, they were found both lying face down in a swimming pool, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The, the night before, they were all partying and then, you know, Miss Wee was like having fun flirting with the guy and the guy was also seems to be having fun. Everybody seems to have these good vibes and then the next morning suddenly they turn up dead. I think what the Tiongbaro Social Club did was they, they find her to be an ab- aberrant, you know, existence within the, within the social club. <laughs> uh, they wanted to get rid of her, but fucking this guy, right, was there as a witness of both, and they got to get rid of both. And then now they have this happy accident in the fucking swimming pool. Holy like, Macham, they, like, Macham, they drank too much, and then they drowned. It's not, I mean, it's just too far-fetched, lah. To me, the whole shadowy figure thing, the whole, you know, AI, you know, trying, always trying to be happy, always talking about, you know, let's get rid of people who, 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 who don't perform. It all just ties in together and I think... Getting that, rid of people who don't fall in line, right? Yeah, and I think that's where that particular scene kind of done it in for me and I'm right. just like, okay, now yeah. I'm convinced <laughs> this ma- this motherfucker movie. is a horror movie. Right. But I, yeah. I, I, I will disagree there because I, I find that's kind of... To me, that's kind of a narrative of people who are seemingly happy but actually deep down they have mm. a lot of demons and maybe they feel that they cannot be happier I cannot be more happy than this particular moment so I decided to end my life right now I love that that's so romantic yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. feels I, like I a very a Japanese folklore mm. mm. kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the character makes sense right I mean that she's you know a nihilist of sorts there's this nihilist quality mm. to the way she's like this is the happiest I ever be let's just let's just end it all ending it is the best happiness and then she but she, I don't think she's that Concerned about happiness, right? She's she's just kind of this agent of chaos within the within the. Well, she's an agent of chaos, but I don't know if like it's right to characterize her as not caring of happiness. And also, I think like she gives me the impression of not really caring whether she lives or die. Also, because she's quite like dense, quite a nihilist. So it's not surprising to me if she decides to end it. What is surprising is that the dude also ended it. Yeah. So my conclusion is that. I don't think that it is murder because they could have a billion other chances to like to murder just the old lady instead of murdering them both. They want to make it look like an accident. That's why all of your thing is an accident. Or suicide, you see. That's the problem. Oh, that's conspiracy the guy, theory. The, I, think the, I think the guy dying, right, was a signal to all of us that somehow there's something, there should be something fishy and we should be thinking about that dude's death. If it was just her, I would agree with all of you. Like, you'd just, you'd just be kind of part and parcel of a character and I think it, it will kind of make sense in a very weird kind of way especially if afterwards she left a will behind uh, leaving everything to a cat something like that some, some weird shit like that right And but I don't think any of that happened and <laughs> okay anyway this one is up to a personal interpretation now we can just sit here and debate this fucking thing all day long <laughs> so we I think we move on to the so kind of the next portion of the of the film 
delves into Abi's kind of like rise to prominence within the Pyongbao Social Club itself. And that all came about when they kind of discovered his natural talent, right? Okay, before I maybe mean, before that, let's talk about Abi as a character. And so basically, Abi, right, is this um, guy who was working at a laundromat, right? We opened the scene, he was working at a laundromat. Was it a laundromat? No, man, I think some sort of like government some office. Factory. Government office? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 cloth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like yeah, yeah. cloth, something with cloth, right? It's like manufacturing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, he was, he's like in this tiny little office surrounded by paperwork and he's just stamping things, you know, basically. He's basically a rubber stamper. And um, clearly his life is not fantastic. Um, and I think that opening scene was where he had his birthday, right? And yep. then he went to buy like cake, you know, he went to buy flowers. And alcohol. And alcohol. Yeah. And uh, then he went home to his house, where, which was Paul, Paul Bank's apartments, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so sad. Anyways. The <laughs> and nuclear silo. The nuclear yeah, silo apartment. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, and then... Um, so we see him interacting with his mother, sneaking the sneaking the flowers and the alcohol past her. And you think, oh my god, he's going out for like a party or something and to see his girlfriend. But no, he, later we find out that it's, it's his birthday and the only person he has to celebrate his birthday with is his mother. So mommy's boy. Yeah, and he just like cuts cake with her, gives her flowers and then like they drink alcohol champagne together or something. Yeah. It was the fucking saddest thing ever. Yeah. What do you all think of the this underlying theme of uh on block and the Pearl Bank apartments? Oh, yes. I fucking loved it. Yeah, as in, it was fucking hilarious. Well, my favorite scene was the guy in a soapbox. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. He's like complaining that. that you know we must save this, we must save, this. and all the old people are like, no, no, no. no Which no, unique apartment do yeah. you stay at? And he doesn't even live there. Yeah, and that feels that feels like the entire social media you know yep, yep, is yep. Like, that's just the internet yeah, yeah. yeah. the guy is the it's internet, the internet yeah. you know it's, everyone is like saying hey we should save all these uh, old dilapidated buildings built in the 70s with no thought given to a yeah. lot of uh, modern plumbing or whatever and the people who use those facilities are like no we want something new <laughs> yeah we want the fucking money right so <laughs> which is I'm not so sure if they give it a lot of thought regarding, you know, like yeah. as a subplot. But I just thought, yeah, like I said, like you guys said, that, that particular scene with the soapbox, that was really funny as hell. It was like a literal soapbox. <laughs> well, then, don't, don't, do you guys remember there was this opening scene with the lady doing the wushu thing, right? right. With the and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's right. And then two, two guys in Naked. swimming trunks yeah. came and stole something. At first, yeah. I thought those guys would make a comeback. I thought they would like come back and add to the plot somehow but end up they didn't uh, so didn't. it was also quite a weird thing it's so yeah. random I love yeah. it that's their version of uh, Peter Yu uh, running <laughs> run, running, running naked on the treadmill <laughs> it's like so so what does that add to a story nothing it's, it just adds to some vibes it's just vibes <laughs> it's just vibes but it does add vibes though yeah I think it yeah, gives you it's a it's not sense. autism vibes that's the, <laughs> that's the only thing I'm after okay it's vibes I'm okay with yeah <laughs> Jonathan, why do you think they decided to use animation to replace the sex scene? Like, why do you think sex was represented in such a way? I think it's just obviously the censors lah. Yeah, money, yeah. Thing one. Nothing but that lah. Nothing but that. Yeah, but you could. I mean, I could easily imagine you know a, a method of shooting where the actors and actresses are still somewhat naked, 
but you know you do it properly lah. You you cover here and there. But and I don't think it would have been as funny though, because yeah, like the actually, whole actually, the whole yeah. point of the sex scene is that they were following the manual, mm, and if mm. you saw the them doing it rather than trying to imagine it in your head, right? Like somehow you just lose the comedic Correct. effect because they're so supposed to follow the manual, like yeah. okay, how to touch each other, how to yeah. like kiss and which yeah. which angle to like penetrate or whatever, and then you know like you're like. I cannot imagine real life people doing it and be yeah. funny. Okay, I think we are jumping a little bit ahead. So let's re- rewind a little bit, right? Which is that <laughs> Abi's character eventually kind of rose to prominence uh, as a result of his unassuming, uncomplaining character. And he, all the aunties love him. Yeah, and he created this complaint club, right? This complaint, whatever. So where he basically functions as a silent therapist, the people of the neighborhood will come in, they will complain to him. He'll just sit there and listen, offer nothing in return, no, no, no advice, no words of action, whatever. But then the overall happiness of the entire estate went up, including his, I think. Mm. And that's when there is the Tiongbao Social Club decided, okay, here's where we're going to perform eugenics now. We're going to match you up with someone who we think is compatible with you on a kind of like a very purely analytical kind of basis. So that's when he was matched with uh, Gyok, mm. which was prior to him becoming the best happiness agent, was the best happiness agent, even though Abi himself, throughout the film, alluded to us that he may have romantic interest in another character. When I saw the the subtitles for the name of this character, I, I literally thought the name was Ork. Like, <laughs> like you, someone took a, a gun, right, zapped the woman, and she got Orked. She turned into Ork. <laughs> it was O-R-K-E-D. <laughs> and now it's Orchid, lah. <laughs> name <I> never, <laughs> it's a name I never fucking heard before. Have you any of you heard this name before? She got orked. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker got dwarfed. <laughs> hey, you you pay too much forty k. <laughs> I would like to be L. It's just it's just about or it's just orchid, right? But it's spelled in a different way, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this this could be a Gen Z name, something that you're not familiar with. Mm. Uh, the, the, no, dude, dude, I the <laughs> names I have to see on my roster, and you know, right? Because you are teaching the new crazy names that they come up with, dude. You cannot believe it, man. The new crazy names that you you see, right, are not given to themselves. It's given to them by their parents yeah, yeah, who yeah. thought they were like, like super no, hip. Gen X parents. Yeah. Yeah. Who thought they were super hip? Yeah. What What do you all feel when you watch this film, dude? I I mean the fact that the Po Bank apartments are still there, then mm. in our mind is okay. This probably takes place a few years ago, yeah. but notwithstanding that Po Bank apartments, what do you think this time period is set in? Does it feel like it's like ten years later, five years later? Yeah, like five years in the five future. Years, right, right. Yeah, that's my guess. Why, why, why is the person in charge of the AI and Ang Mo? Why is the why is the lead scientist or chief engineer or mastermind? Wait, we don't an know. Angmo? We don't know she's an angmo. We only know it's a woman. We don't know if it's an angmo. So oh, we so, don't see her. Uh, I I remember she, there's an angmo voice. It it, it sounds quite angmoish, uh, yeah. The, yeah. So I can fake the angmo accent, ma. Yeah. Okay. I, so once again, Dan Wong jumping ahead. <laughs> I feel it's the I feel it's the CMIO the O the, the I I think she's Eurasian. The Tombow Social Club right, at one point was also portrayed as kind of like a shadowy, you know, organization yeah. thing where they have this secret room, right, with like the war game tables, you know, this, <laughs> but, it's, but it's all like digital display, right? And they were just like strategizing. They would even have their fucking the stick, uh, and then they were pushing the little figurines around the war game yeah, table, right? I love that, man. Yeah, and and then at some point we was introduced to this unknown character, nameless unknown character, but. Somehow we get this sense that she's like the lead figure. She's the one in charge of all of this and she's the one handing down instructions. She was the one also who, I think, 
believe in Abi, the main character's potential, and as a result, didn't get him fired. This kind of also brings like brings about the kind of the the hor- the existential horror genre where you are. It's always this nameless unknown horror, right? There's mm. always something unspeakable behind the scenes, and we don't know what they want. We don't right. know the intent. We don't know where they're from. We yeah. don't know who this person is. We don't know what their powers are, so on and so forth. So having part of the part of what you guys were originally criticizing about was the lack of a central conflict, which actually I think it works because mm. that makes her somehow even more sinister. It really just kind of goes to show that she is really the, the puppet master here. Everybody is dan- dancing on unknown strings, right? Strings that they cannot see. And we are all dancing towards this unknown objective somewhere down the future. And it, it only kind of like brings, ties it in together towards the end of the show, which I won't share just yet. I'll explain it a little bit later. But yes, I think that character also make, made me thought of this whole genre as a existential horror genre. Okay, I, I think I'm beginning to see where you're coming from already. Yeah. yeah. If I try to roleplay as John Wang, like somehow I can see that this is a enormous threat to society, yeah. like a terrifying danger, a power that is so amazing and powerful and all-encompassing that I cannot fight it because I don't even know it exists. Yeah, I think that's... I think... I mean, I don't know if that's what the film direct, filmmakers intended, but fuck you, it is now. <laughs> that's what it is now. I also thought the uh, you know the scene where the Abi is like therapist this complaint yeah. complaint listener hey it's like a blockbuster you know like you know people line up across the entire so everyone's just lining up to complain to him and it just kind of tells people or rather the movie was I feel was trying to portray that you know if you have an outlet to voice your frustration right whether or not shit gets done it just makes you feel better yeah and. Uh, it is also hilarious that the people who go to complain are all the you know the older folk residents <laughs> who live there. It just that's like fucking Facebook, man. You go to any mothership post, right? And every comment, right? All the you can tell who are the boomers because yeah. every fucking complaint, right? It's just so inane and like, wow, this really feels like Facebook, man. Yeah. But what I I love that scene where it was uh there was a huge queue right and then there were people who were like hey what are they queuing for don't know don't know eh must be good uh. just queue uh. just queue <laughs> yep it's a but that really happened uh. that's a, yeah that was one of the social experiments done like in the nineties or early two thousands right so the whole therapist as aspect right when I I saw that part I felt like it wrapped up. Uh, the person that he is because in the beginning I, I couldn't really figure out this character why he's so placid so uh, not, not not reactive passive you know he's just a passive character mm. so at the end right there was this whole Zen Buddhism spiel about how uh, something is useful only because it's empty right do you guys remember that the vessel scene. yeah the vessel yeah. so mm. it, 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 I guess that's his special power Abi is a vessel that can forever be empty so that's why he can take everybody's frustrations and comments and complaints and he just it goes into his vessel and then it just disappears so he has got no resentment he holds no attachment it's very like zen buddhism <laughs> so people people find it to be a calming presence uh, you know that that kind of thing so that's his x-men power law i don't know i feel like the whole the whole point about the how complaining actually brought up the happiness index of people was quite funny like we are a nation of complainers yeah. what is more singaporean than like having a complaining room and then <sighs> the moment right the moment everyone can be galvanized into a singular action right that's when everybody kind of like forgets about their complaint which is when they start looking for the cat <laughs> remember the cat when so mrs <laughs> we or oh, miss <laughs> we 
she had a she stole the cat, right? Yeah. So the cat was left to Abi in his care, <laughs> and at some point the cat uh, ran away. Yeah. Uh, the cat running away also kind of symbolizes something, I guess. It's more. It's a bit like the spirit of Mrs. Wee, right? So this occasion yeah, yeah. of chaos is physically like repulsed by this, you know, <laughs> this this established order. And this was this was the point when Abi was forced to match matchmake with Jock, right? The, yeah. the the other happiness agent, and it was roughly the time when Abi's mom came to visit the two of them mm. that the cat disappeared mm. and then the, the 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 story kind of shift gear a little bit so after that it was the sex scene after that it was the looking for the cat mm. and so subs- after there after all that kind of happened right finding the cat and everything then Abi had the dream yeah right? the, the dream where he was dancing with Miss, 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 yeah. Miss Me that was a great scene, though. That was <laughs> I a, love yeah, that yeah. scene. Did he give you Wonka Wai vibes? The you know, yeah, 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 yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, that that a was, a cool was that a head tip to it? I have yeah. no idea, man. But but it it was cool. <laughs> There's a lot of blue smoke. Yes. And that's when Abi had the epiphany and decided to yeah. re- uh, quit the Tiongbao Social Club. I think the really, I mean, one of the thing, one of the good things about the Straits Time article that you mentioned was it. It does showcase like free will being really messy and being something that is really uncontrollable. You can't really quantify everything. You you cannot just bring everything up to like some sort of happiness index and you cannot just having someone perform to the best of their ability even though it's something that they're good at but it might not be something that they choose. And as a result, Abi had the epiphany and decided, okay, that's it, I'm done. Mm. So subsequently, this is where I think the final point of the... Existential horror genre kicks in, right? Can, 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 I, can, I, can I predict what you're going to say? Yeah. Okay, so at the end, right, there's a commercial being played. And then that's where you see that the, the Tiongbaru Social Club is expanding. Yes, correct. It's about to, uh, so-called, like, acquire the Pearl, Pearl Hill Bank yep. property to form another cluster. Yep. But no points for you, lah. It's, like, fucking easy, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, right, you, do you remember in the um, Jimami Tofu, Jonathan, you were saying how, like, uh, you thought the actor director what's his what's his name Jason Jason Wu the, the, the Green Ranger Green Ranger, Ranger yeah <laughs> Green Ranger had, was very internal yeah and then to which I said that was just bad acting right 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 <laughs> and but I, I think like for for Abby's um, what's, what's, who's Thomas the, Pung Thomas, Thomas Pung Pung, right? yeah. I thought he was really really good you know even when he was like actually I found him much better when he's not speaking yeah he when you no just fucking material I mean this man was given nothing not. yeah but you he could made it work he <laughs> He had almost zero like dialogue at all in the whole entire fucking movie, but just through the way that he expresses himself through his body language, his eyes, yeah. his face, fucking you can see a whole shit ton of universe in his in his acting. You know, like this is what I would call internal. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, right? It's like it's the whole everything about Tiongbao Social Club is very loud, exuberant, cartoonish. Mm, yeah. you know, like very just big. But he's he's quiet, right? And he's a lot of it is just in his eyes. A lot of it is just in his discomfort, you know? Like, he just makes small mm. movements here and there. And that's enough to bring across the point. Henry Golding, take a fucking pen and paper. <laughs> right? Jason Wu, please do that yeah, too. Yeah, Jason Wu, take the fucking pen and paper. Pick up some acting chops. Alright? It's not just about writing yourself into, like, into 
into positions where you're getting chased by two beautiful women. Okay, that's not that's not the fucking point of acting <laughs> or directorship for that matter. Anyways, um, the the other thing was that like when I when Thomas Pang actually spoke, right, I felt that it was less effective than him not speaking. You can feel that he's not very good in Chinese. <laughs> in, Man- in, in Mandarin, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's a bit like uh, the, a bit more mm, yeah, kind yeah. of uh, pronunciation. But I think that also kind of added to it, la. Yeah. But he, he, I think he carried the entire show right. wonderfully, uh. I cannot imagine any other person acting in this particular position. So well casted. What do you think of the whole aesthetics of the film? There's a lot of blue and pink, pink, yeah, pink, yeah, a lot pink, of neon. Yeah, lot of neon. yeah. But I would also have to say that, like, I feel. Like, it's a little bit taking too much reference from Wes Anderson and yeah. all, all these, like, pastel-y things. And I wish there was more of an original take. Right. And that is the one thing that annoys me to know. And it's that... Because it's very easy to just look at the trailer and just mm. say that, oh, this is Black Mirror meets Wes Anderson. Mm. And I feel that this is both... Compliment quite... and... Uh... No, it's... it's, it's it, I, I, would, I would like to think that Tan Bitiam, the director, will be like, come on, man. You know, because there's also a lot of other influences that go into the film. Yeah, there's few influences of like directors like, like Ozu, Yak Tati, you know, French directors and everything. You're and naming people I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are not like movie buffs. No, 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 it's okay. But, but the thing is, it's just because people see asymmetrical framing and, and just use of pastel colors and, mm. Wes Anderson comes to mind. So that kind of so much work going into making a film just to get pigeonholed into that category. So I kind of feel bad. I think it's kind of unfortunate but also it's hard to escape because like any film that does this sort of framing and like this sort of colours will inevitably be compared to Wes Anderson anyways. But I would have to say right, I really love the way that they portrayed like Singapore. Mm. Like it's so beautiful just the way that they shot the architecture and like they give a lot of space you know Mm. to breathing in the entire um, show. Like just Spaces of like architectural shots, the sky, giant huge screen of the cat, <laughs> like giant close up of a cat, you know, like a few seconds. That was great. Might be one of the first Singapore movies recently that uh, has not shown Marina Bay Sands. Oh, I don't yeah. think they have it, right? No. Yeah. It, it, it's refreshing. Uh, to, a- to amen see. to that, man. Yeah, it's refreshing. <laughs> Good to job. See that, Good job. Uh, you know, Good job. architectural. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting. In very important. Yeah. Plus half point, nine point five. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I think. That's a plus 0.5 for me too. I so think eight. it's super important as well because mm. when you look at our local media, right? Yeah. Channel 8 drama, Channel 5 drama, you don't see our places and locations being well represented. It's yeah, just, so it's just HDB like, flat one, coffee mm. shop number seven, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But here it's like, this is Tiong Baru. We are making you see it. This is Po Bang. Mm. It's a bit on the nose, but. It's the film is also a, a way of a historical document. Ten years so time, sad, right? that's all you're gonna see of places yeah. that's not around really. Mm. It and it's also really lovely because like I just went to Tombaru recently and then like it's so sweet to just walk past certain places. Oh, that's where this happened. Yeah. And that's where this happened, and it's really, really nicely done. I think, I, and which is why I say like you can feel the love for Singapore la, and the spaces and architecture of Singapore in this film very strongly. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, with with regard to the lack of climax, uh, so called or tension, I would say that for me, the because the tension is so largely internal and what's going on in Abi's head, mm. like I don't feel like there was much of a need for a actual climax scene. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you all don't play Call of Cthulhu, is it? That's the problem. <laughs> okay, so so in John's like a uh, terrifying cosmic horror, what where is the climax? The climax is so in H.P. Lovecraft novels, right? It often uh, guided through the the narrator as a like an ordinary person, right? So oftentimes they're just regular Joes and dealing with things that are just way larger than themselves, no unknowable, un, unthinkable, unspeakable. Oftentimes, there's no resolution. They kind of like just go through the whole thing. You are you are mm. experiencing what they're experiencing, and then you're just left with this sense that we we can't beat this. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And after that, but everybody still goes on their their lives, and mm. everybody just goes on unknowing of the dangers as ahead. And I think that's the that's where the final scene really did it in for me. And yeah, to me, this is just classic Lovecraft horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mean, which final scene? So when the when the commercial kicks in and then it's like they are now expanding into Pearl Bank. Oh, Pearl Bank, yeah. right. So it's like this this evil is just like spreading its tentacles and, and just like infecting like more and more places, right? right but everybody right. is un, un... Like everybody just goes about their lives unknowing mm. of the dangers ahead. Yeah. It's just that without the imagery and the, you know, horror music, you don't yeah. see it. It's just like, la, 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 la. Yeah, they, they counter it with the happiness. With the, uh. Pastel with the, stuff. Everyone's the happy. Yeah. And, yeah. The and then everyone's like wearing the uniform, the yellow uniform, and yeah. then like bouncing around, like jumping and, and then happy. And giving each other hugs. Yay. And Cuddle is, puddles. Yeah, which is also like uh, all these exaggerated features of human interaction, right? Where they, they really you know, crank it up to fucking 12, 13, 14, right? <laughs> and that's where, when Dan Wong was saying, Oh, John, you're cringing because you're uncomfortable. No, I'm not uncomfortable with touch. It's because they are, they are taking something that's very human and they are, it's like, it's like meeting an alien for the first time, right? And all they ever know about humans is through like videos or whatever, or yeah. through, through, <laughs> you know, satellite imagery, right? And then they come to Earth disguised as a human and they are trying to give you a hug. Right. And right, then right. all they do, you know, like they just kind of lumber towards you and then they like crush you with their yeah. fucking inhuman might. Yeah. That kind of, Hyper exaggerated, you know, human interaction correct, correct. is give me the fucking creeps, you yeah, know, I don't understand we, like how you are just able to we, we, it. No, but like yeah, Which sorry. is why all the activities that you see within the social club are super like Prescribed. very elemental and basic. Yeah. It's like flipping around in water yeah. and hugging each other. No, there was this point in the cuddle puddle, right, where uh they were doing this like hugging thing and then they, they were required to I think be vulnerable with each other or something <laughs> and then Gyok and Abi were partnered up and then Gyok was like it was Gyok's turn to be cuddled. Uh so she was the ty- the small spoon, right? And and she was telling uh Abi that she's like, I'm afraid to uh what was yeah? I'm afraid to be a. I'm afraid that I will be afraid of being alone or something like yeah. that. It was quite meta, I remember. Yeah. Like so, the way that she couched it, and then uh, Abi was just like awkward, right? And then and then then Gyok had the oh shit, I, it, I too much I too much too information. Much, yeah. I said too much. I, this is not supposed to be actual vulnerability. Hmm. I was just supposed to be pseudo vulnerable, but still happy. Hmm. You know, like uh, and I think that's a really good analogy of the entire film. You just don't think that it's authentic lah? No, I think like... The activity, I mean. Yeah, I mean, none of it is authentic, right? Everyone's supposed to put on this facade and pretend to be happy. And even if you have so-called troubles, you are supposed to couch it in a way where it's like, oh, uh, it's a problem that I can overcome and be happy. Mm. Sort and, of. And I think it's the same thing when you when you are in a company and you go for social cohesion workshops, right? 
it's the same kind of bullshit where nothing actually gets done. There's no real emotional breakthrough. Everything is just on the facade. And, and this kind of shows that. Lah. Like, you can't really take everybody's suggestions seriously. Oh, you mean I was not supposed to actually share my vulnerabilities? <laughs> Damn. Oh, yeah, there was, there was a scene, right, at the, at the pool party, and then the, the three girls was asking up. Oh, right. Uh, uh, fuck, marry, kill, right? Yeah. And then he immediately pointed to the three ladies, like, yeah. oh, I'll fuck you, I'll kill you, and I'll marry you. <laughs> and then the ladies were just like, you're not supposed to use us. <laughs> then they just walk away in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking funny that one yeah, yeah well, anyways but, I mean if you look at to me uh, if you look at the other characters basically Orchid and and Gyok you, you can kind of see uh, going back to a little bit to what we talked about just now you can kind of see that you know there's there's this one who is so desperately trying to to fulfill the role and trying to work to keep within the KPI and achieve her goals and there's the other one is like kind of kind of like 80% 90% achieving her goals through just doing what she likes but then in the end she's like oh, this is not fulfilling for me you know and she leaves so it, it feels very I, I don't know I mean I've, I've got a lot of friends who work in government it feels very government yeah. I mean you know like if you really keep to the KPI you really can achieve everything you want mm. by the cost of what you know Your soul yeah. humanity <laughs> and then there are those who just by doing what they want, you know, they, they go very far, but they couldn't go as far as they want. And then it's just like, you know what, fuck this shit. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave. Just in case our alien overlords, our terrifying overlords from the beyond are listening, uh, I disagree with John. I make the best Kado Pado master. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be the best pool kind of guy. Okay, at least I know I've convinced one person <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dan um, Wong is like 90% uh, there. Uh, uh, you know, you know, whenever the alien overlords come and then they're like in uh, XCOM or, or fucking Half-Life, there'll always be like these humans who like, or even in the traitors. Matrix. Yeah, they'll just turn traitor and then they are, dude, so are I'm, I'm a great A traitor. The best cuddle party, the best interrogation rooms, all Dan Wong. <laughs> you know who to look for. You're gonna land, I tell you, you tomorrow, eh, you're gonna be face, face down in the, in the swimming pool. Of a parent's suicide. <laughs> By who, I wonder. Mm. Hey, don't take Lydia with you. Uh. Lydia, if you're listening to this, please stay away. Far, from far away from Dan Wong. Water. Yeah. <laughs> or, and Dan Wong. Stay far away from Dan Wong. Even the water cooler in the office. Yeah, just stay away. Yeah, just stay away. Yeah. Who knows, you might have your head shoved, it, shoved up then drown inside. <laughs> Alright, do we... Uh, so, we have like... An hour into the podcast already, so maybe we wrap it up. We just have like some final thoughts. Shall we? Shall we do a thing where um you pretend that you are the director of the movie, and then you have got one change that you want to make to the movie, and then you you just say it. Uh. would that be a good end to it, or do you think of something? Yeah, sure thing. Okay, yeah, can. let's try that. I would. What I would change uh, is the background mechanisms where all the ladies were pushing all the blocks all over the board. On it, it still feels very nice and happy. I, I would I would kind of maybe give it a more a little bit more uh, Black Mirror-ish feel to it. You still you just really want your Black Mirror vibes, ah? <laughs> uh? No, no, it's it's not that. It's it's just it it needs to feel more. You know, I I agree with you guys. The 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 whole movie feels very subtle. The the horror is very subtle. Everything mm. is very subtle. But I think I, I'm not sure if it will work uh, as a movie very well if you want to put in those uh, elements without actually showing them. Because do you mean like you just want to make it? You just want to dumb it down slightly for those people yes, who don't get it. Dumb it down slightly so more people can get it. I I don't I don't like the hey this is a this is an intelligent IQ IQ Actually, limitation. I feel like this. they already down 
dumb it down. Yeah, I think it could have yeah. done it like a bit way more subtle actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think it's really quite dumbed down to the point where nobody got it. Like no like if you see the reviews online, right? Nobody fucking got this movie. And no, the, the, the existential horror is, is where like people are just so compliant and they just don't even question it, basically. Um, if, for that scene, right, I would say that that scene already to me is quite obvious. Like, who, which fucking criminal mastermind wouldn't like pushing shit on, on, around on this like battlefield board thing? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's just just a tinge more. Just a tinge, tinge more. more. Right, well, that's that's Jerry's opinion. Just like an asshole, everybody has one. So, <laughs> Jonathan, you got anything? Right. If if it's for me, I probably add a subplot to have something to do with missing cats over the the entire town because there's just one cat, mm. and I I don't know how <laughs> to really add it in. But actually, there's a subplot where there's I don't know. Miss Wee is actually alive. Yes, yeah. yes. And then she's the one like kidnapping all the yeah, cats. Yeah, kidnap all the cats and there's this whole part where they are chasing. So and actually the dream the wasn't actually a dream. Right. He was really dancing with her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a subplot of him actually releasing cats for mm. some cathartic moment or something like that. I would close the loop on the naked guys with the paintings. <laughs> I will somehow connect Oh, wow, that's bit. a great one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, connect a bit to the main story somehow. Uh, it could be related. Maybe they are the people that are uh, against the or, or not not people working. who got sacked from Dongbaru Social Club. Right, right, right. I mean, they're not. They're not. Maybe they're not aware of it, but they are directly opposing the goals of Dongbaru Social Club. That you know, human nature will always involve like something like vice, for instance. I wish I saw more of that, though. Yeah, I wish I like saw more like more appearances of that. I'll probably change the AI. I think the. If I could make him different, it would be probably more um also like unknowable. A bit like the a bit like that Ang or the main or the mm. so called big bad guy in the secret war room, right? Mm. So I think he was a bit too happy, a mm. little bit too human like. But isn't that even scarier? I think if you trust it. Yeah. I think if they wanted to do that, right, that's that's also a that's also a very good point, which is you can you want to make it friendly and trust and trustworthy and whatever, right? Because at first, because at the end, like Abi or he, AI told Abi that he, you know I'll be sad that my friend is gone or something, right? Yeah, and but I think they they kind of went too overboard in the friendliness aspect where it doesn't feel threatening anymore. I mm. I I kind of want him to be oh. Did you enjoy yourself at the pool last night? You know that kind of mm. that kind of like mm. sinister. But, did, but don't you think that it had that sort of overtones when he was asking like, "Oh, do you want to call your mother and stuff like that, or eat cake and stuff?" I don't think so. I think that's just being him being friendly. No, I thought I thought it was a bit freaky. Like you know, like it is so intrusive that you can't even have a moment alone and be fucking sad without the fucking AI being like, "Hey, do you want to eat cake? Remember you have cake." <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, that Anyways. was a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, so so that's where the the over where it became so overly friendly. I mean, you and I would essentially we are seeing things on the opposite spectrum, uh, which is I think he's too overly friendly, and it kind of destroyed the illusion, right, that he could be sinister. Whereas NG sees it as he's too overly friendly, therefore he's sinister. Yeah, because um, when you trust it, and then like you just assume that it has your best interest, and then you're just like, oh yeah, I should eat cake, right? Mm. See. And then he ate the cake. And then he called his mother. Yeah, that's why. Which that's made why him feel better. And then yeah. you're like, oh my god, he's my friend. Yeah, he wants that's the best for me. That's why he's just too friendly. And I think the, if let's say it was just a regular audience that's just looking at it and it, they just really see him as a friendly chap. 
Like, I, 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 the scene I was really fucking disturbed, basically. You know what was interesting is the, the two the two opposites that you guys are explaining, right? It works well because the character mm. RB, right, just yeah. kind of ignores the AI. Yeah. He fits you know? in both. Like, yeah, it fits mm, in yeah. both ways. Because kind of, he kind of follows what the AI does, but then he ignores it at the same time. Mm. He's, he's like, oh, it's just technology, you know, where, where most of us are, reflects most of us. Oh, it's just technology, you know. No, I have like... Siri's a- listening in, man. Alright. Uh, my tweak would be I would dial down the closeness of Abi and his mother. Because <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait. Do you find the character the the actor who played Abi handsome? Thomas Pang. Uh I think he was okay lah. I, I would chime in for NG. I, I was so you don't want him to be a mommy's boy. No, I think the <laughs> It's a bit too much of an Oedipus complex. Not Oedipus complex, but I feel like because you set him up as a mummy's boy, right? Then it just goes in so well with the fact that like he just listens to what everybody else say because he just listens to what his mom say. And I felt like that was too obvious. I would rather he be a bit more in- independent, like as in a person who was genuinely frustrated with his job mm. and then he wa- went in to Tung Wario Social Complex, uh, uh, Social Club, and, and then there, there he, he slowly gets indoctrinated by how everyone else behaves rather than like from the start he's already like someone who is you know already quite susceptible to such things already so I thought like the fact that he was such a mommy's boy really took away for me the 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 character's um, struggle uh, in a way I thought you wanted to date him and him being a mommy's boy just turns you off <laughs> oh please sorry I never want to date any actors <laughs> I don't have such things Okay. Except for Snape, okay? Mm. Professor I think, Snape. I think the... But I think for him, right, being so agreeable at the start, only for him to discover free will at the end, I think was a little bit better. Rather than him having yeah. free will already. Right. I yes. think going to that particular setting would be a bit off. Yeah, actually, that's true. He kind of... you. This is it's subtle, but actually it's a big change. He finally yeah. decides something for yes, himself. Yes, but yeah. like, I don't know. I, it, it feels a bit too easy. Like that whole transition. Mm. Yeah, I would have liked a little bit of more discomfort in, in, because, I mean, honestly, even within the film, right, Tiong Bao Social Club seems to be an aberration within the, the, the world that the movie has built. So this is not something that has gone across the entire Singapore yet. Mm. So like, I think there would be slight discomfort, right? Don't mm. you think? Like, that you have to put on a ring that measures he, your happiness he, and your indexes very- and everything. You know, he was in a lot of discomfort at the start and his happiness was keep di- nose diving, right? At the, I attributed that mostly to the fact that he was missing his mama, really. <laughs> yeah, which I think kind of like plays into his character, la, which is what I, I don't yeah, know if the. I don't know. I don't know if making him an. I, I, I would say you, dial it down, not yeah. like completely wipe it out. I think that is still a very sweet thing. But I just feel like it's a like there were some parts where they really feel like girlfriend and boyfriend, and that was a yeah, bit weird. Actually, yeah, that was what I was about to say. It might have worked better right, if he was controlled by a girlfriend rather than his mom. And yeah, right. Well, I, would, I, like I would love pushing. to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. girlfriend was the one that's kind of like pushing him yeah. to, you know, perform to go better. In. Yeah. Right. And as a result of him performing, then, you know, joke suddenly comes in, right? And that creates a tension between the... Or even if, like, the mother wasn't so sweet and kind. Like, if oh, yeah. it's like a, like a tiger mother who wanted him to excel, yeah. and she's like, oh, this will be great for you, you know, go in there, and then you go and da-da-da-da. Like, it makes a bit more sense than, like, a very sweet and loving mother and being like... A, girl, a girlfriend that forces you to BTO and... Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. oh <laughs> Scary. Honestly speaking, I think as it is, the mother as it is, is works out fine. I, I would just dial back the 
Yeah. Feels like the, 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 the relationship. But we do happened. have the opt character. Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> out, out of nowhere, she comes and yeah. fixes her. Hey, she's TV really, at the end. I'm very confused eh. Like, so she was in his house because she's his neighbor. No, she can't yeah, fix TV. Yeah. Oh, she, fix TV. She leaves. She, like, she, she got a new yeah. job or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, she left She left the fucking Tengbaro social club, then went to do some skill future <laughs> thing. <laughs> I <laughs> like how they just slipped in, like, oh yeah, I left this crazy club, right? And then I went into skills future. Uh, to upgrade myself. Yeah. yeah. And then just coincidentally, she's at <laughs> fixing TV. Just, yeah, I, I was so confused. I think the reason why she can find, they can find each other in the end because they have the whale cry. And then whales, right, when they do the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from far, far away, right, like thousands of kilometers away, yes. whales can hear each other. That's People why. who leave the club, they, they have this <laughs> yeah, solidarity. <laughs> no, only the two of them. Because yeah. the only two of them know the whale, whale cry. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then do you guys notice that uh, at when at, at the credits, I think Angie, you noticed it too, right? Uh, when the final song was playing, there were there were whale cries yeah. in the song. <laughs> so funny, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, anyways, I think this is a great film. I'm so glad that we have something like this in the in the film archives of Singapore. Yeah, yeah. if you enjoy a good horror show, I recommend that you watch it. <laughs> 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 All right, I think that shall be the end of the the review. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, for coming in. Thank once you, again thank you very much. Thanks, Superior John. <laughs> uh, Superior John, yes. Thank you for reminding me, Angie. Uh, of course, Superior John. Any, uh, last words, uh, parting words before we sign off. Support local film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please go and watch it. Pay it's money quite, to it's watch quite this. Quite a fun movie, despite all the dark undertones. All right. Okay. Hey, then go. Uh, no, I just wanted to to reinforce the message that I'll be a great cuddle puddle master. Alright, and with that, that shall be the end of today's podcast. Please like, share, comment, subscribe, whatever. Go and click on things. Start clicking and clicking and clicking. If you're overseas viewer, remember to send me that fucking email. I haven't received any. And <laughs> so that, sad. Yeah, so be sad. Okay, and that shall be the end of today's podcast. Thank you all, and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.